Hey everyone, my name is Fernie and I'm the pastor here at Mid-City Church and I'm so glad that you are joining us today as we continue our Asking for a Friend sermon series. Uh, and today I want to introduce you to my friend Rachel, but like every week I'm going to let her share a little bit about who she is and what she does and her story with you. So Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. I'm honored that you'd have me. Hello Mid-City. I'm glad to be here today. I am Rachel Billups. Um, I happen to be the senior pastor at Ginghamsburg Church in the booming metropolis of Tip City, Ohio, which is, we have a location in Tip City and in Fort McKinley. What you really need to know me is that I am, about me, is that I am incredibly competitive. Like if you're going to play a board game with me, look out, I'll cut you. And so <laughs> that's what you need to know about me. I actually have been married to my high school sweetheart. We just celebrated 20 years and I have four children, Addie Topher. Uh, David and Sarah, nearly 16, 13, 8, and 4. So that's all there is to know about Rachel Phillips. <laughs> and y'all have a puppy, right? Maybe oh, we do. How can I forget Reese Cub? <laughs> Reese Cub is our beautiful chocolate lab. And so, yeah, Reese is a part of the family as well. Yeah, I can't forget that. I got a fur baby too. Yeah. <laughs> I met Reese when uh, was, Reese was just a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she's an 85 pound puppy. Uh, she has to go on a little diet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, uh, today we're going to have this conversation about women in ministry, and I'll give you a little bit of a premise for that. So uh, last week, I was at a coffee shop on Thursday working on my sermon, and this guy named uh, Parker comes up to me out of nowhere and starts talking to me about theology. And he tells me that he goes to a different church, not United Methodist Church, and he started asking me about what do United Methodist, uh, what does the United Methodist Church believe? And yeah. um, I, we started talking about different things. And at one of the points, I said, you know, we also ordain women. And he looked at me like, do you not read your Bible? <laughs> and and he, <laughs> he said that to me. And I'm like, yeah, plenty of times. And he said to me, name one time when there is a female who preaches the good news. And I was like, well, I said, the easiest one for me is that on Easter morning, it is the women who go out and tell the men, and this movement begins to grow of like telling the good news that Jesus has risen. I said, if it hadn't been for them, the message might not have been shared. And uh, I was just so, um, well. Did he say that didn't count? I mean, what did he say to you? Yeah, he did. He he did not agree with me. Uh, He said the men would have eventually figured it out anyway, and they would have told the story. And we, I, I, I had to end the conversation by saying, look, we disagree. I affirm your calling, affirm mine, and we can go our separate ways. But um, it like stuck with me. And as yeah. I've talked to a lot of our people, I think living in Baton Rouge in an area where um, women are not, um, you know, ordained into ministry and a lot of the, the faith denominations in this, in this area, um, there is this like, so why does the Methodist Church ordain yeah. women? And doesn't the Bible say that, you know, women aren't supposed to speak? And uh, and so I'm just curious, your take on all of that and your experiences in life. I'm sure you've had some of those experiences. Um, yeah, so I'm just curious. Yeah, it's so interesting, Fernie. Um, even if he said to you, like, hey, the word would have gotten out. Probably so. But Jesus literally says to Mary Magdalene, go and tell my disciples. Like you, I'm calling you, Mary, to go and tell. Um, So that's a really hard sell to say that, you know, Jesus himself asked a woman to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Um, That's a hard, that's a hard theological jump to get over. 
You know, it's really interesting, Bernie, because um, one would assume, you know, you're like, I'm in Baton Rouge, like uh, lots of Catholics, lots of Baptists, you know, all those kinds of things. But the reality is um, I'm in Ohio and Tip City, Ohio, lots of Baptists, lots of Catholics, uh, lots of non-denominational churches that um, for a woman to be in a pulpit is still really a weird thing for people. Um, there's, you know, we've been ordaining women for 65 years in the United Methodist Church. And it's a battle that I still have to fight. Now, let me be honest. When I knew what I was talking about, I was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> because um, I'm over this, right? I am really over this because like, I know God has called me. Well, but let me tell you about where I began. I grew up in the Southern part of Ohio in kind of the Appalachian, um, kind of the hills of Appalachia in Southern Ohio. And so you can imagine, even though I grew up in a United Methodist Church, my upbringing was a little Methabaptist coastal. Like it just really was. And the only woman that really was um, a picture of pastoral or preaching leadership for me was Joyce Meyer. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe some of you know who Mama Joyce is on TV. And so women in ministry was not like, it was not a thing for me. And the first time that I articulated a call into ministry I, I was setting, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting at my kitchen table. It's like 5.30 in the morning, getting ready to go to school. I'm a junior in high school. And with tears in my eyes, I say to my mom, I think I'm called to be a pastor's wife. Because that's all I knew what to say. Like there's this pastoral calling. So clearly I can't be the pastor. So maybe I could be a pastor's wife. And my mom was like, you cuss too much for that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh no, maybe you got your wires crossed, but I still cuss a lot. So, you know, whatever, God gets to pick who God wants to pick. But, and so, um, so, but then I began to realize as I was getting older very quickly that actually, no, I'm called to be that pastor. And I had to wrestle with because of the way that I had been taught scripture not necessarily in my church, but from the churches around me, women can't be pastors. Um, women can't be in ministry. And so I would literally ask myself the question, like, am I going to go to hell if I fulfill my calling? Literally, that's where I was theologically as a 17 year old. And so I can totally understand why people have this kind of adverse reaction when they see women in ministry, because the teaching, the tradition of only men can be pastors or only men can preach or only men can teach other men is really, really deep. It's just not biblical. Uh, just this last week, uh, my husband had put out a uh, article from uh, Sojourner magazine. Like he, my husband's my biggest cheerleader. And it was a, it was about what does the Bible say about women in ministry? And, um, and he didn't get, no one was like nasty on his Facebook, but he got a private message from a guy that he used to coach with that's planting a church that's Baptist. And he's a very, um, he's kind of a, a, a very, like an extreme Baptist. Like they only use the King James version of the Bible, that kind of thing. So when I know him, like his wife only wears dresses, we're talking like really, really conservative version of, of even the Baptist tradition. Cause there are Baptist traditions that have women in ministry. Right. Um, and so uh, that affirm women and ordain women. And he re read through the entire article and he sent my husband like, what do you, what do you do with first Timothy two? And what do you do with, you know, Titus one, you know, what do you do with the book of Titus and what it says about deacons? Well, the reality is, um, I, I thought to myself, like, first of all, let me just say, I got really ticked because I get tired of like, just having this argument over and over again. And my husband was all like, 
you know, keyboard warrior. And I'm like, let it go. Just say, we agree to disagree and move on because you're not going to convince him. And he's certainly not going to convince us. Right. But then I started like, I knew we were going to be talking and I started looking a little deeper and I realized in Titus, it's really fascinating when you go to the book of Titus that it has all of these um, kind of qualifications. And it talks about husband, being a husband of one wife and all this kind of stuff. But then it says, um, like it talks about like the men doing this. And then it says the women, and it gives a couple of descriptions about women. And if you read it in the Greek, it's like these women who are deacons. And I'm like, but people don't read it that way. They were like, oh, they were just an aside about women. No, it's all in the, they go back to describing what a deacon should be. Like there's an assumption there that there are some women in that community that are deacons, but we don't read it that way. We don't translate it that way. Then what do you do in Romans chapter 16? Uh, if you go to Romans chapter 16, there's a woman who that's called an apostle of apostles. <laughs> like, so not only is she championed as a church leader, but she's championed as apostle of apostles. Like it is just absolutely interesting to me. There are other places in scripture where you read about other women being deacons. I mean, so I think what's difficult is people have taken a few scriptures, first Timothy chapter two, women be silent in the church. And they have made that a forever um, proclamation on women where God himself did not, I just said God himself, God did not make that declaration over yeah. women. I mean, what do you do with Deborah and Esther? Uh, what do you do? I mean, what do you do with Mary and Elizabeth? I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Deborah was not, she was a judge. So that means she was both the spiritual and national authority right. over Israel. It would be like the Pope meets the president of the United States. Like, so how can you say like women can never lead when God clearly anointed a woman to lead? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that, that uh, the, the judges were God anointed. Yeah. The people God chose to lead God's people. And we forget about that. What's also very interesting about Deborah, you know, all of the judges, you know, like the gates of the city were the places where judges always, you know, ruled and all the, the leadership was determined. But we, you go and read Judges chapter four and, and Deborah's leading from under a tree. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like she's, she's leading in a completely different way. Why? My contention is because she's a woman and women are uniquely gifted to lead in a different way. Fernie, it's interesting. Uh, one time we used to have this recovery service on Saturday nights and my husband and I did a teaching on marriage. I did a preaching on marriage. And then afterwards we took questions from the congregation, like anything you want to ask anything. And of course, uh, this guy named Earl was like, how does this work? Paul said that men have to be the heads of the household. So how does this work? Who leads? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was so excited about them, him saying that. And I was like, well, we both do. Because people assume it's a some zero game. Like, if the woman's leading, then the man can't lead. Or if the man's leading, the woman can't lead. Like, right. the reality is, like, this is the kingdom of God. Like, this is the picture of, like, full restoration. This is the garden restored where we're in deep partnership with each other, male and female. And so um, the kingdom is coming. And in order to embody that kingdom, 
we got to be championing everybody, everybody, you know, um, male, female, transgendered, it doesn't matter. Every person on the planet has to be affirmed as a beloved child of the living God. And we've got to call, um, we've got to call leadership out of those folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading, um, oh, I can't remember. I'm trying to find it in my office. I was reading up the uh, Mike's last book, the blue one. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the revolution book. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. But he talks about one of the chapters about how uh, the kingdom of God, in, in the kingdom of God, uh, there is no scarcity. So yeah. like, the, uh, 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 the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. Yes. And this idea of like, I think we tend to think of that as like financial resources sometimes, mm-hmm. but this there's abundance and like all of us leading each other. It's not just one person who can lead and the others follow. God has called all of us to participate in the kingdom of God. Uh, and like you said, men, women, uh, all people, uh, yeah. all people are called to be active participants and leaders in this movement. Yeah. And so I think it's really important in the church that we, we live out of an abundance mindset. And even as a woman, I think um, in some circumstances, uh, genders have been pitted against one another. Of course, we see this in race and all kinds of things, pitted against one another, when in reality, there's more than enough. There's more than enough leadership opportunity to go around. And the other thing that I believe as a person who's sitting at the helm of a really influential large church in the United Methodist Church, it is my job to share that authority and power, not to hoard it for myself. And so whether that's with other women, whether that's with other men, it is my job to share that authority. um, Because, I mean, that's what Paul's doing. He's constantly sharing that authority Uh, with Timothy. Yes, but also with Priscilla and Aquila. Isn't it fascinating that this couple is co-leading churches, by the way. And here's another thing that I ran across that I thought was interesting in my study for, for this conversation. There were a lot of women who were leading in house churches. Um, there were actually a lot of uh, Roman women who had resources, not so much among like first century Jews, but there were Roman women who had resources. And so they were like rulers of their own household, even though there were household codes. Anyhow, I'm getting out of the, I'm getting into the weeds, but anyhow. So what was fascinating is women led and led a lot early on in the Christian movement because it was centered around the home, Right. And women had all kinds of domestic responsibility and authority around the home. But once the church got institutionalized and moved outside of the home, then suddenly women were no longer allowed to lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yes, of course, of course. When it got too big or too powerful, the guys are like, that's nice. We'll take care of it. You know, like, it's just so interesting to, to but you can see like, Oh, that's what happened because suddenly, um, kind of society, society's pressures and society's rules were like, you can, you can lead all you want in here. But once we go into this building, you're done. You're toast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting to me. Um, it's very interesting to me that, that that's a reality. Going back to Priscilla and Aquila, many times in the new Testament, Priscilla is named before Aquila, her husband. And as people are named in New Testament, like they're named in order of importance. So I don't know 
exactly who she was or everything she did. One of the scriptures say that she was a tent maker, she and her husband, along with Paul. Um, like, so there are things that, but she was important so much so that she was named before her husband. Mm-hmm. So very interesting stuff. But, you know, it's easy to say, but the Bible says women be silent. But what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. What do you do with Priscilla or Aquila? Or what do you do with Jesus? So let me also say this. Um, I want to go back a little bit because I think it's important to teach our people uh, how to discern for themselves. And a lot of times they're hot. You are talking about some hot, hot button topics. You know, I probably said something already that ticked three quarters of your people. <laughs> off. Um, and so we're, Hey, we're in the land of hard conversation. And so I think it's really important for us to approach scripture. And I do mean for us to approach scripture for ourselves. I don't want people to take my word for it. I want people to look it up and, and look it up for themselves. But what I love about the Methodist movement, particularly our Wesleyan theology, um, we have this thing that we call the quadrilateral, right? Reason, scripture, tradition, experience. Scripture is primary. And when I'm reading through scripture, I, not only am I looking at what it says in first Timothy, but I'm also reading that through the lens of Jesus, because I think that the word of God, that's the Bible, little W reveals the word. That's the living word. That's Jesus, big W. And so I'm always asking, well, how does Jesus, how do I read this through Jesus's eyes? Well, Jesus was hanging with women, teaching women. I mean, literally Mary and Martha, remember that story? Like Martha wants Mary to help her out because that's her obligation because it's a domestic role and she's supposed to be helping her sister with hospitality and she isn't doing her job. And what does Jesus say when Martha's like, hey, tell her to help me? No, she's chosen the better path, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus, which means she's a disciple of Jesus, which means he's sending her out, which means like she's a leader in the early church. But we don't see all those layers because we read them through 21st century eyes. And we're like, we are like, oh, that's just a domestic dispute. No, it's a dispute about whether Mary should actually be a disciple as a woman. And Jesus says, you betcha she can be. So. (laughs) (laughs) So so I guess we can conclude that you would agree women should be. Oh, women should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I agree men should be. Yeah. I agree people should be. Yeah. Sometimes children are called to be. Sometimes teens are called to be preachers, teachers, leaders. Um, and the other thing I want to just affirm in that is a culture of honor. Mm-hmm. Whether like every single person who has said yes to Jesus has the Holy Spirit alive and well in them. And so I've got to believe that sometimes God's going to speak to me through a 17-year-old. I got to listen. And sometimes God's going to speak to me through an 84-year-old, and I got to listen. And I want all of this mutual listening and learning and honoring happen, happening no matter what age stage or mm-hmm. faith stage we're at. Because mm-hmm. I ain't got the monopoly on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think as a, as a, as a society, as a, as people, we're better off when we're willing to hear each other and be led by one another mm. and be pointed to God, uh, to each other, by, by each other. This is why I'm a Fernie fan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need to hear from you, Fernie. Mm. I need to hear from you. Mm. Right? You're teaching me. I love what you're doing at Mid City. Like, 
here at Gingensburg, we believe the home is the hub. And you're living that out from the beginning. You're not messing with all this institutional BS. You're living the gospel from the beginning. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I, I've told this to you before, but uh, w- well, one of the reasons why I wanted you to be a part of this conversation, you have helped pave the way for a lot of women. And I know a lot of women have helped pave the way for you. Yes. And what I would add to that is uh, you have championed not just women, but you've championed people. Yeah, uh, for 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 God and for the mission, and and I am I'm just so thankful for for you and people like you and the influence you have had on so many of us because um, your encouragement and your championing of us uh, encourages us because you know how hard ministry can be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do I ever? <laughs> yeah, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it when you see lives transformed. You're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having this conversation with me. Um, question, if somebody wants to get connected to you, is there a way that they could reach out to you or get connected with you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to make a personal plug for myself. Follow me on Instagram. I think I'm RL Billups or Facebook, uh, Rachel Billups. Um, you can like my page there. I don't know that I have any more room for friends. I might have a few. So Try it. <laughs> um, and then uh, Ginghamsburg, ginghamsburg.church uh, or ginghamsburg.org. Um, yeah. And not just me, but like um, there's some incredible people out there. So just want to encourage you. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I want to say at the end is this. You know, sometimes I um, people meet me and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're so contagious. Of course, you're called to be in ministry. But those other women don't do that. Don't do that. Give women the same grace you would give any man. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to do one last plug because you've written a book. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Can you tell us about it? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I wrote this book coming out of a sermon about women in ministry. Um, it was called uh, Fierce. Uh, Fierce Women of the Bible, and uh, I preached a sermon on Esther, and uh, someone heard about it and asked me to write a book about it, and I did, and it's all about whether you're male or female, it's all about, uh, all of us have limitation prophecies that have been spoken over, over us, those negative things that people have said to us that really cut us to the core and limit us. Um, but the reality is we can find our fears through the power of the Holy spirit and overcome those things. And they, those negative things actually become fuel, (laughs) the fire for us moving forward. And so, uh, the book is all about my own story of overcoming fear and, um, over and over and over again, still doing it. Need to read my own book. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, uh, so it's called be bold, finding your fears. So. I uh, I don't think I've told you this, but I read it right. It was like two months into the pandemic. And I was, you know, the fear of what's going to happen. Is the church ever going to launch? Are people ever going to come back? That kind of stuff. And that book really uh, encouraged me to make some of the decisions we made early on at Mid-City. So I want to thank you for that. So yeah. I encourage you all to go buy the book. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, Rachel, before we log off, would, would I would I was gonna ask, would you be willing to pray for us and for this conversation? Yeah. Tell us who we're this. Yeah, I'd love to. Let Thanks. me pray. 
Lord Jesus, I'm just so thankful for Mid-City and the way in which you are just moving in a fresh and new way. Lord God, I do pray that you continue to multiply this church, uh, particularly for those folks who feel uh, church hurts, who feel like church is weird, who feel like church is not necessarily the place for them, but are longing for connection with you and other people. So God, expand their territory. God, I also pray for those folks who are wrestling with, can women really be pastors? God, I pray that this conversation would give people the tools that they need to make that decision. God, you've made the decision, but God, help people to be free in their hearts. Lord Jesus, be with Fernie. We just pray that you would anoint him and that God, not only him, but his entire team. God, I pray for a healthy, thriving, Christ-centered team at Mid-City. God, I love you. We praise you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. And um, for you watching at home or wherever you are, I want to tell you, if you want to go deeper into this conversation, I want to invite you at this time to text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to the number 225-307-0662. And you'll get a link to a home sheet. And it's going to include all the scriptures that Rachel and I talked about today. It's going to include some of the questions that we mentioned, plus a couple others for you to continue to wrestle with at home, with your coworkers, wherever you want, and with whoever you want. And then also include a, um, a challenge to live this out this week. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. You'll see that information at the bottom of your screen. Again, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation. And um, I, I uh, you all have heard me say this before, this ending every single week. I've got to tell you, I, I stole it from one of the Ginghamsburg online services it like hit me hard and, and it's what we say to each other every single time we uh, end our gathering. So I love you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see you next week.